we are living the authentic life and we are here with the incredibly talented Houston, New York designer, Amir Taji. We have known each other for well over 10 years. Well over, yeah. And um, I have seen your designs grow and um, your, but your style has, even from the time you were designing in high school, has been so classic that I'm still wearing pieces that I bought from you 10 years ago. Yeah, I think the first one you bought was at Banu, my cousin's store. Yes. And I think that's how we met. It was, through th- Miriam. Yes. yes. And you come from a family of clothiers. Is that the sure. title? <laughs> yeah, my grandfather You're- came here and was like, came, came from Iran and wanted to open up a store for his sons and so mm-hmm. that's how it kind of all started and I was immersed in the world of fashion from the from a young age I remember going to the store when I was like three and being so interested in seeing what everything was everyone was doing and all the fashion coming together and then you studied fashion in New York and in London I did so tell us like there are so many young people that say, I want to grow up and be a fashion designer. Well, it's harder than you think. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, so get ready for the roller coaster of emotions. But yeah, um, I was very ambitious at a young age, I would say. And I was like, mom and dad, we, I, or not we, I'm going to have my own brand. Mm-hmm. And you're going gonna to support me and that's it. That's the we. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And so they were always not hesitant because they supported me in every single way, but they were like cautious. They were like, a 15-year-old wants to open a fashion business? Like, that's a little weird. But okay, let's do it. So we did it. I, it was more of a hobby. Back then, I probably thought this was a really serious business. But looking back and now having a serious business, I was like, what What was I doing? Those were yeah, crazy. Yeah, I kind of call them a side hustle. Yeah, exactly. It was something. I was in high school on my laptop, like making orders and talking. At that time, we were working with David Peck and he was producing the clothing and I would be emailing instead of paying attention at math class and stuff. At Episcopal High School. At Episcopal That's High where school. Bella is. So... It all started there, and I, I do say, like, I look back, and yes, I'm like, what was I designing then, or I was so young, or this was a hobby, but I feel like I wouldn't be here if I didn't do that, you know? There, it all is, there's a reason for everything that you do, even if you don't know it then, so. And every experience, I think even more so, the things we didn't get, or that didn't go as expected, or that. Most of the time, it doesn't go as expected, you know? I, that's what I say. I feel like I'm punting much more than I'm ever running with the ball. And yeah. I'm not a analog, I'm not a football girl, but I... <laughs> no, I, it's true, though. Like, like you think it's going to be all these great, but you're always like, oh, that didn't work. What are we going to do next? Oh, yeah. that didn't work. Okay, what are we going to do next? Yeah, exactly. So I had like four collections in high school. And so we sold it to some amazing Houston ladies, including yourself. Um, and then I was like... I can't not go to school. And I had dreamed of going to Parsons mm-hmm. or Central St. Martin's. Those were like where the greats went, Some like Tom Ford, Alexander McQueen. They went to these schools. And so I was like, if I want to live that life, I better do this too. So I went to school in London 
Um, I went to school there for one year and thought I was going to be going to school there for another four. Life happened, and then I ended up changing schools and moving to New York and have been there ever since and going to Parsons. And so I ended up finishing my degree there. And, you know, it, I thought I was, whenever I first thought about college, I thought I was going to be in Europe and London and Paris. But then as an American, you realize that America's home. And even though it's so fabulous there, my family's here. So I ended up moving to New York. And I feel like the hustle in New York is a lot more than the hustle in London. And probably people will hate me for saying that, but I feel like... No, I can feel that. And I haven't spent a lot of time in London. Yeah, I feel like but, it's like the energy of like in New York. Yes. It's like work, 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 work. Because so. there is absolutely a different energy for Europeans than Americans. Yeah, a thousand percent. And I was like, I... You were used to doing yeah. so much because you're in high school and yeah. running a business and you're in school yeah. and then you're I was like, designing. and. So I like paused the brand for about like four years or three or four years. And so I was like, I still want to be in a work environment. Mm -hmm. So as a freshman at Parsons, I was like, how am I going to get my internship? And internships weren't allowed for freshmen. They were only allowed for sophomore okay. or like juniors and seniors. And I figured it out. I was like, I'm not going to get school credit. I'm just going to go work for free. And I don't regret any of it. That was where I was so happy. I loved working. And I loved being in that work environment okay. constantly. So. And who was that you worked with? I My first internship was with Monse. Mm -hmm. um, or actually my first one. I call one, it Mons, but it's Monse. Monse, exactly. And are they French? No, they're actually, uh, it's a duo. So one half of the duo is Korean and the other half is from um, Dominican Republic. Oh, interesting. Yeah, they're the same designers at, that design Oscar. So they're the same duo, Laura and Fernando. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So because that's I like their own brand. For yeah. Oscar. Oscar. Yeah. And I did that even before I even went to school. I was interning at Oscar. Um, as a sophomore in high school. Yeah, I was there for like three months uh, thanks to Noelle Sackowitz, which is a Houston mm -hmm. local, and she was the fabric director there. And so uh, my dad was working with Laura Sweeney, who's mm -hmm. her mom, and they were also, my parents were also friends with Robert Sackowitz. So I somehow managed my way Beautiful. in there. And so I got, I got to work there when Oscar was still alive, which... Wow. So that was incredible because I feel like there's not that many of that generation that are still working. Um, except for probably then, like Armani now. Right. the only one. And fabric manager. Like, I feel that that's what makes Oscar Carolina. Like, they're yeah. just, it's the fabrics. The, and yeah, I the embroidery you, and all of that. You've really, so to me, that's a big part of your brand. Yeah. Is, the fabric, the texture, the buttons, the accents. A thousand all of that. percent. That's what you, whenever we design, that's like the first thing we do is go to all the fabric mills and choose our fabrics. And that kind of informs what the designs are going to look like. Because if the fabric is, if the structure of the fabric can't do what you want it to do, then you can't make the piece that you want to make. So it all starts with the fabric. Interesting. And so what would you physically do as an intern? Could you, were you yeah. in the fabrics? Were you yes. touching the buttons? Were we did you everything. With the embroidery? So like with the fashion 
internships, they make you do everything. There's like not one thing you don't do. Yes, you get coffee. Yes, you, for, you yeah. do all the rough Grunt work. work yes. Yeah. Um, but then at the same time, you are doing research. They send you to libraries, they send you to all these places to like pull all the research that you can pull for that specific um, inspiration they're looking for. And, or you're actually designing they're like one of the projects that i remember most at that first internship was um like they wanted like a jewel neckline for a caftan they were like can you come up with like five to ten uh, neckline ideas and so you're doing wow. all the beginning stages of the work you're also making boards you're putting all their fabric boards together wow. sketchboards you're photocopying you're doing every single thing around like you're doing all of it but that's Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 hours. He yeah. said to be an expert, it's 10,000 hours. You so have you to were do everything. Getting, but you were able to get your 10,000 hours so much sooner than other people because you started so much exactly. sooner. And you invested all your time because you loved it. Yeah, I loved all of it. I would, I remember at Monse, whenever I interned there, they you would work until like 1 or 2 in the morning. And you were immersed in it, you know. Um, and you, as with the smaller brands, you would do everything, you know, you would help with sales, you would help in market, you would design, you would help PR, like with the smaller brands, the teams are smaller and they maybe didn't have a f intern for every department. So they were like, the design intern would help us do this and that you would do everything. So it was amazing because now owning a business, I'm practically Still doing everything everything so I know. like rob was vacuuming this morning that's yeah you thing. do all of it <laughs> exactly so but at the same time like i'm so thankful of where the business has gone now that i have a full team that right, i'm able to rely on and do you take interns we do take interns I so love it. any interns want to intern for us in new york they're always welcome too i love that so um are you did you use some of those resources? Are there a let's thousand talk percent? About, yes, I was like, <laughs> I was like, you're like, let me add this to my black <laughs> exactly. Book. <laughs> I was always just like, at all the internships, I was like, uh -huh. what factories are there? Because Monse would develop in New York, so I would go to the factories, and then you would, I would literally like write down all the factories that I worked with at these big, bigger companies yes. or fabric manufacturers, I would take pictures of the headers that we would receive because uh -huh. that was like my Rolodex whenever I Absolutely. wanted to relaunch my business. In Whenever I was in high school designing, mm -hmm. I had very small resources. You know, I had one fabric manufacturer in New York that I we bought silk from and another one that mm -hmm. we bought lace from. And those were the only thing, like those were the only resources that I had. But now living in New York, I had if I wanted to have my own brand again, I had to make a full new Rolodex. Mm -hmm. So um, I was like going to these fabric manufacturer or manufacturers and factories, and I was writing all the names of all the people, like putting their contacts in my phone, and that's how I got to know people in New York. But I think that that's like you could take what you're expressing here and drop it into any category of business. And yeah. like, that's what it takes yeah, to be thousand, successful. It's like to percent. know every single facet of it. No, exactly. It's all about the people that you know. And like, if you want to make a good product, you know, you have to know the best in that field. And so, right. and working for other people, it's kind of in a way they're, 
doing all the testing on their dime and you're right. getting to reap the benefits of it, you know? So Absolutely. And then what about, um, like, are there, you're looking in New York, but are there fabric mills in Europe? What's happening in China? Let's talk about, yeah. like, the different countries. Are you bringing things in from India? Like, where? Yeah. Every country has their specific, okay. like, specialty. Mm -hmm. So right now like all the fabric manufacturers have like a some sort of base in new york because mm -hmm. there's so many designers in new york and they have like oh, a little smart. office okay so you or don't have, have to go around the world no. to buy internationally no so they have a representative or they have their own office um like for example most of our fabrics now come from italy mm -hmm. um we work with about i think 10 manufacturers that work with Chanel, they work with Dior, mm -hmm. they work with Oscar, they work with like they work with all the big people, um, and so um, they have. We work with all of these small, not small, but they're like um, manufacturers that have representatives, and mm -hmm. you go in, you see all the fabrics, and most times these representatives rep like ten to fifteen different uh, fabric brands. So you go and each one is like has their own specialty. So one brand would be special for cottons and poplins and cotton twills and trench coat mm -hmm. materials. And another one would be like wools and uh, suiting materials. Mm -hmm. And then another one would be specialty, so jacquards. And then, so those are like what we mostly get in Italy. And then mm -hmm. um, in France, it's mostly like lace and guipures and things very that are really delicate. Um, there's also embroidery, but embroidery in France is very expensive. Yes. Um, and so if you would want, if we would want to work with them, they would, our pieces would be like 20 to $30,000 and so which we can't afford. Yes. Um, so we work with India and India's quality of embroidery is as good as the French. Mm -hmm. Um, and now we're working with this company, um, called Marcel and they are, they recently were. LVMH has done like a, they work with a lot of LVMH brands and so they now pay living wages to all their employees, which is amazing, so. Oh yes, because this, let's talk a little bit about like sustainable yeah. fabrics and there's these buzzwords and I'm certainly all about sustainability yeah. being that we're vintage and pre yeah, definitely. and even when I worked for 22 years with my family business, I became a lead AP, yeah. so I believe in but how is a fabric more sustainable than another fabric? Well, it can be a couple different ways. It's like the okay. one, the first way is like the materials that you use in the fabrics, like recycled wools or oh. recycled polyester, or recycled, there's okay. all of those things. Or it's also the way they're making it. You know, they're okay. using less water or um, most of the time it's like the water consumption that's really high. So they're using, they're recycling the water or using less of it. Um, and then also like with embroidery, when you're making um, the embroidery, you're using the pattern piece. Mm -hmm. And so you're making it exactly for, you're not wasting the goods in, in essence, because you're uh, making exactly what you want, exactly what you need. Um, and so that's like the biggest way. And then also for fabrics for designers, it's like using old seasons prints or old seasons fabrics or right. creating a core collection. So you're never wasting or not using that fabric you can always bring it back um one of another like colleague of another designer what they do is like with their old prints they make they weave it together to make other 
like designs or they use it as patchwork or you can do things like that too. Well, like Hermes does the Petite H, which mm -hmm. is their scraps. They yeah. make into things. I was shopping them online the other day and there's where you can order it and you don't even know what color is going to come in. For me, I'm That's like, insane. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to spend $2,000 for something that, that I have no, no idea. idea what color I'm going to get. Which is kind of fun though. You it know? is, yes. Because it's like a little surprise. Um, but yeah, there's all sorts of waste because there's a lot of waste when it comes to fabric, you know? Yes, so much. Exactly. You, there, with these fabric mills, there's always minimums that you have to order. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, as what about fair trade? Like, is that part of them not being child labor and yeah. getting fair wages? Is that the title that they use? So it's is got, it... it's, it's, I guess it's, in essence, it's the same thing. But in India, like this... Because in India, they don't really have that many laws when it comes to mm -hmm. how much money that these people can make. They're mm -hmm. most there's of them. There's not a minimum wage there. Yeah, there's not. There is, but I don't think they're. It's not like enforced. Exactly, <laughs> um, and so with this manufacturer, uh -huh. because they're working for like Lueve, Givenchy, the mm -hmm. houses that LVMH owns, um, LVMH has forced them or. Yeah, they basically force them to say, like, if you're going to... If gonna, we buy from you, you're you, going to do it this way. Yeah, exactly. You're going to have a minimum wage. You're yeah. going to give fair... You're, you're going to give them the, what they deserve. And right. how they have to be able to live a life, you know, the mm -hmm. workers. So it does... Because a lot of the other... There are some that still don't give minimum wages. And the price of the goods is a lot less. Right. Um, but it's also training the consumer to know that, too. You know, like... Like, having it be a value that someone is willing to pay for that. Exactly. And the difference. Because, and yes, like, you can buy an embroidered skirt, let's say that's $1,000, mm -hmm. and it's not being the, it's not the minimum wage of the, mm -hmm. the workers aren't, are not getting minimum wage. So you have to train the client to know, like, we are paying minimum mm -hmm. wage, so this skirt is not 1000 it's 3000 mm -hmm. but you're also helping pay for these people that deserve a minimum wage, you know? So you, it's training the client to know that because you're paying for quality, there's a lot of things that go on in the back end. You have an effect yeah. by what you buy. And I think that a financial effect is the greatest way to affect change. Yeah. Is what you spend money on and a what you invest in and what you don't like spend. Like if you're buying Zara all the time, you're exactly. not paying, you're, these people are probably making like a dollar, even less. Exactly. To, make one piece of clothing. Whereas for us, we pay like the cost of one of our, let's say. Your fabric costs more than the entire Zara dress. Exactly. Just the cost of, of the, the fabric. fabric of yeah. Yes. Like this season where we're using this uh, fabric that Dior uses for all of their blazers. And it's like the most soft, luxurious fabric. But mm -hmm. to m the cost of the fabric is just $90 per yard. And to make a jacket, it's like, three to four yards of fabric. Wow. So that's almost $400 that you're just spending on fabric. Exactly. So, so you just have to understand that, I'm not trying to rip you off, you know? Right. It's just that the cost of the- There's a value to it, yes. And most of our pieces are made in, now we're making a lot of pieces in Italy and we're making obviously in New York as well. And so we have to give living wages in New York. And so there's a cost of that as well, so. Absolutely. Okay, let's talk about um, your family overcame so much. They moved here um, when the Shaw was, I guess. They actually moved right? a little bit later. Okay. Um, but 
they did overcome a lot. I feel like the country completely changed after the Shah mm -hmm. was exiled. And yeah, it's insane because I remember my mom telling me stories of them moving mm -hmm. to London because they there was so much uncertainty. But my grandparents' whole lives were in Iran. They had nowhere else to go. You know, yes. they all their money was there. Their businesses were there. Their mm -hmm. family was there. Like it was hard for them to make the move to to America or even Europe. Um, but yeah, it was difficult. My dad, my dad's family, my uh, my uncles had before the Shah had even left were coming to the U.S. for education. So my okay. dad went to Memorial High School. My uncles came to the U.S. for and why college. Houston? Was um, so my my dad is the youngest. Okay. So my oldest uncle went to as college in, in Texas. Okay. And so Texas was, and all the other brothers came to Texas. Yes. So then my dad was like, I'm going to Texas. I guess I have another option, but. Same for the, there's yeah. such a great group of Italian immigrants, yeah. specifically from Sicily, moved to Bryan College Station because there was farming and it was similar to the yeah, land exactly. that they knew. And so people would go as groups and as yeah. family because family was so Ex important. Exactly. And if you didn't know anyone there, you were yeah, alone, was, you know. Right. Um, I know like friends of my parents that didn't know anyone and they came to the U.S. for college and their parents were doctors and whatever, but they would come into the U.S. and this was new to them and they would like be sweeping um, like garbage or whatever at restaurants you know that was like their first job in the u.s and now they're ceos of oil companies but like it whenever you move from what like one place that's completely different than the other i couldn't even imagine doing it um but yeah they moved then and my mom came over for college mm -hmm. her parents never ended up moving to the u.s they were always in iran mm -hmm. but um my dad's family was all here and so they got married here and grew their family but I, my mom is going to Iran today, actually, and to so visit her you, sisters. So. Are you able to freely go back and forth? Um, I would say yes. I personally choose not to just because I speak against the government. Mm -hmm. um, and you really just don't know what they're going to do. So I don't want to risk my life and the freedoms that I have in the U.S. to go back to somehow get. Amen to that. I mean, this. <laughs> But isn't that amazing like yeah. that, that there's still places today? Yeah, they can and, get you for talking. And so talking that's why freedom of speech, yeah, speech is, is huge. hugely important. No, they can definitely, they'll say you're a traitor against the government or mm -hmm. make up some sort of something that. Well, and with the, um, the Russian who was just uh, yeah. killed for speaking Navalny. out against. Yeah, it's insane. About Putin, that that's still happening today in our world is is pretty crazy. So um, you've done things to bring awareness. Um, you created a beautiful dress that was yeah. actually worn by someone famous. Tell yeah. us about the Empress of Iran. The the people that were exiled wore it, which she is a huge muse of mine. Uh huh. Um, if you go back into the 1970s and 60s, mm -hmm. she was like Iran at, at that time was at the peak. You know. Mm -hmm. They were well-renowned in the world. It was an, a huge ally of mm -hmm. the U.S., a huge ally of the, of the U.K. And so, like, Time magazine would have covers of them, and they had, like, a celebration celebrating 2,000 years of the Iranian empire. And, like, the queen and king of... The queen, actually, of the, the U.K. didn't go because mm. 
the king of Iran considered himself the king of kings, and so they. Oh, so there was a bit of a scuffle between exactly. the two of who was more <laughs> more important. Exactly. Important. <laughs> but like, I think Princess Margaret went, and uh -huh. like, they were saying, I there was a documentary about this event, but there was mm -hmm. they were saying all the most important leaders of the whole world, enemies, were in having dinner together in Iran to celebrate. Wow. the 2000 year celebration so at that time these people were like the best of the best and people were respected the country and so she's continued to be my muse and her style is like impeccable and so like a couple years ago we did this dress or i designed this dress with nazani bunyadi who's this amazing actress who's also iranian and um it was to celebrate the free, it was called the freedom dress and mm -hmm. would that mean freedom of expression, freedom of talking and all of that, all of it. So we got the Queen of Iran to wear mm -hmm. the dress and she wore it and she actually wore it on Christmas Day. So it was huge for me because it was like a huge Christmas present. We had sent this dress to her like in probably November, October and she wore it on Christmas Day and it meant the world because you know there's like those people that you never know if you're going to ever meet because they're nearing the end of their life. Like Carl yes. Lagerfeld or she, they're all in their 80s, 90s. And you yes. never know if you're going to have any impact or like any relationship with them. Yes. Um, and so for her to wear one of my pieces was huge because it wow. was like she's a symbol of freedom in Iran in a way and around the world. So it meant a lot. That is so incredible. Um, like, I'm so blown away by that for so many different levels to just because there's moments that we just have to appreciate that you feel like you've made it like, yeah, that that um, transform your life. Are there other things that you're hoping for? Do you have some current muses yeah. that you're and definitely wanting to address? <laughs> well, we just hired a, a great PR firm in January, so hopefully things are coming. Okay, good. Um, but like Kate Blanchett is like a huge muse. I think she's so chic. Um, uh -huh. who else? Rihanna, Beyonce. I'm like, mm -hmm. God, if Beyonce oh, wore yeah. my clothes, I would literally pass hometown out. Hometown girl. She is a hometown Miss girl. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's a lot of new muses that I have. Uh -huh. Lauren Santa Domingo. I love, um, Mode Operanda. Yeah, she's, yes, she's so, so chic. So chic. So, um, and we were talking before we were on camera about, till, uh, Tillman, Truman Capote's yeah. uh, feud and about his swans yeah. and that like looking to the styles of these women who still look incredible. Like yeah. I'm obsessed with the fashion. I would wear anything I yeah. saw any of them wearing today. A thousand percent. And if you could get your hands on the, the old Givenchy or the old Chanel, I would die. Yes. So, um, Tell us a little bit about how you look to the past, but make it feel modern. Like, how does that, yeah. because, and then you have to, I guess for you, you're not having to do resort, but like to come up every year yeah. with something new, yeah. but then we're talking about having some, um, I guess, is it, it's not a capsule. What are, what are the traditional pieces that you consistently do called? Like our core. Your core. Okay. Yeah. Um, I would say, so we'd only do two collections a year. Okay. I, Personally, that's first. I think that's super sustainable because yes, 
sustainable for a lot of different reasons. Sustainable for my mind, sustainable yeah. for our clients' pockets, sustainable. Because I don't think people even need that many, that many pieces of clothing, you know? And whenever we're designing a collection, my collections are on the smaller side, but they're like 100 pieces per season. Okay. Mm -hmm. So like designing 400 pieces per year sounds like crazy. I'm like, and even in that 100 that we do per season, we probably cut like 50. And that's what end up people end up buying are those like 50 pieces out okay. of that 100 piece collection. Okay. So I just don't think oh, it's... Oh, Grace Kelly's coming to see us. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, so yeah, it's like, I, I personally think designing two collections a year is enough. And I also think it allows me to develop something new each season because mm -hmm. if you're constantly running and trying to figure out the new, what's the next, it's, an, it's, it's exhausting. Even designing two collections a year, it's exhausting in a way, you know, by the time I show my collection and then we show it to the buyers and the press and then we show it to the clients, that's like another three months and I have to like digest everything, all their critiques and what they think of the collection and try to come up with the new. I feel like, like four months is not enough to like come up with new things, you know, that's... Right, because you've invested so much energy into making something so incredible. And then you want the feedback and to know where the holes are. Yeah, or where, how like, can we improve? How can we improve? But, um, like, I don't know. I'm wearing your pieces. I yeah. don't know if this is spring, summer, That's core, or winter, you know? fall. It's all and of I, it. And I love that. And, oh, hi, Grace Kelly. Um, speaking of our muse, she is... Um, <laughs> <laughs> our little muse at the vintage contest or she's our mascot i love it but um i um let, let let's talk about the jacket because yeah. i love the sleeves i love that it comes in at the waist Lace, yeah i love the way let's talk a little bit about how this the process the process so this we actually, this is called our Sabrina blazer, and uh -huh. we have done it every single season. Like this puff sleeve is just... It's so feminine, you know? It is. Um, so it's part of our core. Uh -huh. Whenever we designed it, we had no intention of it being in our core. It was oh, just okay. like... But it happens. It just happens. You just figure out what sells and what doesn't sell and what people uh -huh. want more of. And so um, this was part of our fall 2020 collection, okay. right before COVID. And um, I was just, I loved, I love tailoring because of mm -hmm. the tailoring shop my grandfather opened. I was like immersed in that idea of tailoring and mm -hmm. a blazer and a suit. You know, I mm -hmm. love that idea because I think back then you wore the suit, well, you wore the pants and the jacket all right. in one. But I think now in a moder modern wardrobe, it's the little the, a blazer is like the little polish you add to any outfit that mm -hmm. just brings it to full completion in a way. So um, I'd always wanted to create blazers and we that season I think we created like two or three blazers mm -hmm. and this one was inspired by like the blue sun sleeve and mixing those two contrasting ideas because a blazer is super masculine with a like peak lapel. It's like all very masculine attributes. And then I feel like a blue sun sleeve is very feminine and dainty. So I was like, how can we combine the two? And that's, mm -hmm. this was the, uh, the fruit of that thought. And so um, we designed it and we made it in one fabric. We made it in this like leopard jacquard that I, you I actually, have the leopard jacquard. you have yes. the original. And so. Because leopard is a neutral. It is a neutral. 
<laughs> and so Valerie Dittner and I talked a lot about that. It's true. I mean, now I guess we're even looking at so many animal prints in general. Yeah, being and people are, are feeling yeah are all neutral. I even think like specific colors that maybe aren't like thought of as neutral, like mm -hmm. a burgundy is super neutral. Mm -hmm. Even like an uh, olive green is super neutral. You know, those are things that are cores in your closet that you can keep year round. Um, but yeah, that's how we created the blazer, and people ended up responding to it. And then mm -hmm. the next season, I made it in a, I made it in a solid fabric, and that ended up working. And we made it again, and people just keep on ordering it from us, and it's something that they love. And you also have another one of our core items, which is our Greg coat, which is convertible. Yeah. So those are pieces that you never, you I don't ever design them to be classics. But people respond to it, and people want it in different colors, mm -hmm. and so it ends up being a classic. That, that's the only way. Yeah, that's the way we. Yeah, it ends up happening. I feel like the trench is so big this mm -hmm. year. Even it definitely more so. is. And it, but it's being done in so much, so many different fabrics. Like yours, yeah. is, it's like a silken wool. But yes. We, you, the traditional is like a cotton gabardine, but you can mm -hmm. do it like a. Like the Burberry is the ex, the classic. Yes. But then you can do it even like a light, like silk fabric, and that could be like a really slouchy mm -hmm. trench coat. You can do it in so many different ways. Mm -hmm. So, and then um, let's talk about the dress because I love the dress. Where you um, you do a lot of great um, slip dresses. Yeah, I think that's and you Which but we, you make them more forgiving because of the way they kind of gather. Yeah. So this and I think that helps a lot. This too. is a story. I feel like so basically I had designed this dress mm -hmm. and this was I think spring like nineteen or something. No, spring mm -hmm. spring twenty, I think it was. And I had designed a dress that I ended up, it came back from the factory and I didn't love it. Mm -hmm. I was like, let me just cut it up. And that's how this dress came to be. I like oh, cut wow. it up and then started adding like a bunch of ruching. And, yeah, the ruching, I think and it's forgiving. And that's how this dress came yeah. to be. Interesting. It was like a midnight project when the collection was done and I was like not feeling something and I was like, let me just change it out. And so do your mom is quite stylish. Yeah. Do you put her in most of the pieces like growing up? Was that, Yeah. or I, did you have a girlfriend that you would put it on? Or? So basically for me, I was like, Whenever I started, uh -huh. or whenever I was inspired, I mm -hmm. would force my mom to go to Neiman's with me. Mm -hmm. And I would be like, try everything on. I want you to try this. I want you okay. to. And she would be like, that's not going to look good on me. And, and she, she would, like me is short. Yeah, she's more petite. More and for petite. So it's not like she was this tall, weight, no. like model. And that she has you, curves and, yes. you know. Um, and some of the times it didn't work and some of the times it worked. And so mm -hmm. I was like looking at all these silhouettes. And so then I started to see what would look good on different people. And then whenever I was designing my own collection, I would like force my mom into things. I was like, just mm -hmm. wear it. Or I would ask like one of my girlfriends from high school, I'd be like, throw it on, let's go to a party or whatever. Mm -hmm. And now whenever I'm designing, I have a great team of amazing stylish women that even including my mom, I'm still mm -hmm. like th asking her to throw things on or when we do a fitting, we have an amazing fit model that we mm -hmm. just found this last year mm -hmm. that is like the most meticulous woman I've ever met. She's like, Amir, the shoulder is like a quarter off. You have to move it a quarter or like, wow. and she has been fitting, she's fit for Ralph Lauren and Oscar and 
all the amazing brands. And so she has the same vocabulary. She knows the like fashion tailoring vocabulary. So she wow. is like, whenever it's on her body, she's like, I think you need to like tilt the shoulder this way or the, the crotch is a little, it's like half inch too high or the leg is twisting or like she has all the words. So it's like about the people who wear them and giving us the feedback right then and there. So we even, Samantha on our team, we, she, before we even sell anything, she tries every single piece on in the collection. So she knows how it feels. If she's like, this is not working, I think we should cut this item and let's maybe put it for the next season and let's work on it some more. So there's all this like feedback that we're getting instant, like right in the moment, so. I love that. And um, what I love about this is it's got the high slit here, but then it's covered here. Yeah, definitely. You Big, don't want to show everything. Right, but it's like yeah, a balance between what you're showing. A thousand percent. Yeah, and at the, at women, I feel like unless you're really just going all out there yes. and showing everything, but I think most women do want to look sexy, but mm -hmm. they're also, they want to look, they want to be covered. You know, they want to show one thing at a time. So you have to be cognizant of what you're showing. You know, you can't show everything, but you also want to, it's a, a, like a line that you're, you have yes. to be balanced. And you in, your, in your culture, were, did women have to cover their heads? Well, now they're forced to, but back then oh, they didn't. back then it was not no. part of the... Yeah, oh. people were, it's like more of an Islamic thing. Okay. But back then, like, yes, Islam is like the main religion in Iran, but uh -huh. in the 1960s, 70s, it wasn't enforced, you know, it wasn't okay. the Islamic Republic of Iran. It was just Iran and Islam was the main religion, you know, so it wasn't forced upon people. Um, but now even now, like people don't want to wear the head covering. They want to show their skin. Yes. Women want to, like even women in Iran, they want to look sexy. They want to look feminine. And so um, I think it's just sh when you're enforced to do something. It, it, Anytime it, you're forced, yeah, it, it's not fun. Like whenever the girls in high school, went, they were forced to have the skirts that went above oh gosh, their... now Episcopal. Like, <laughs> it's like here. You're exactly. Like, Pull that down. down. Yeah, whenever you're forced to do something, you don't want to do it. I know. It's crazy. Okay, so um, your line, I was not able to come because I was sick along with so many other Houstonians. But um, your line, you have uh, some really interesting fabrics. Yeah. And the movement, the texture, let's talk so about I don't think that th inspiration. That's not even, the one, I think the one you're talking about, the fall. Oh, it's fall. That's yeah. what you printed, that's yeah. what you posted online, but exactly. it's not out. It's to not see out yet. yet. Okay. Um, so yeah, I think this was, now we're showing the spring collection. Okay. We've always been balancing this idea of. I know, it's like, what collection are we on? What are <laughs> exactly. And I think that it's was confusing our, to the buyer. It's, yeah, it's, just it's a all lot. of that. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, we're now spring is in stores and we okay. have it online. So we have our full size run that you can buy and take home today, which is fabulous. We've been trying yes. to implement that so we don't, our clients don't have to wait so long. Um, I know. We like one now. Exactly. Um, but so spring was inspired by this idea. Uh, nostalgia. I had gone to Iran with my grandmother and it was right before she had passed away and she had mm -hmm. Alzheimer's. So I was like, there's only a couple more times that I can probably get this information out of her. So let me do it now. So we went to her hometown and she showed wow. me her, um, 
where she grew up and oh because she remembered all that yeah she it remembered was just the reason yeah it she was wasn't exactly so she, i was like let me just get it, all of this like information wow. out so her the house that she grew up in is now a unesco property which uh -huh. is like the most important but like the louvre is a unesco property like it's wow. like all the super amazing architectural histories in the world wow. so um we went and uh -huh. she this house has been photographed so many times but the room she took me in i had never seen before and it was a really um all the other rooms are like full of it's like the, all the walls are painted and like motifs and floral motifs but this room was very bare and was white but the ceiling had these um, mirrors on them so like that's how the inspiration it was like all geometric tile mirror tiling on the on the ceiling so that's how the inspiration came to be and we were looking at different rugs and mashing it all together and so that's the spring collection but wow. with fall uh, and it was designed so you design the, the designs you have all the prints the prints sorry um are all custom for us we work with amazing print artists or sometimes i do it but they're all you'll never find it anywhere else interesting and yeah. how many of those so we do probably like two prints a season okay so and each print maybe has two colorways mm -hmm. so yeah every season we do two and uh, for that season we called it the kashan print because that was the name of her hometown Aww. yeah and so then everything else trickled from that we made an amazing lace that had the same kind of motif and we worked with amazing tailors to create geometric looking mm -hmm. suiting and so um it all trickled down and are you i haven't seen that you've made a lot of caftans yeah we just made our first okay this last season because you mentioned a caftan earlier yeah so we made a it's called our tata caftan which is every piece is named after someone in Aww. in my life and you actually have something coming up for fall that's named the Denang. Yeah, did. I did. Um, but I'll, sh I'll share that with you later. Um, but yeah, we have a Tata Kaftan. And uh -huh. so it's using that same print and it's super like glamorous with mm -hmm. lots of sweep. So it's oh, really beautiful. Wow. Yeah. I love a Kaftan. I'm, I struggle because, um, I like long and flowy, yeah. but Rob likes more form-fitting. All and the I men do. <laughs> and I don't dress for him. I feel like I dress for women. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> gay men more than I dress <laughs> exactly. for men. Like, yes. But um, but I also like for him to yeah. think that I'm attractive. Of and course, they kind of yeah. think of a caftan as a moomoo. No, yeah. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> But so, so how do you balance that? Because I love the flow. So we always have a belt with all of our caftans. Okay, it's removable. It. So you all could right. wear it belted or you can wear yes. it flowing. Um, but, but I, I think, think of it like as a house dress of a woman. Really? Uh, I think it also, I don't know if you can wear it everywhere. Like, yeah. I feel like it's more like a St. Bart's or yes. like a Saint Tropez. Capri. Capri. Ex exactly. What? I think it's like that kind of thing. Uh -huh. Um or I think it would be, it's super beautiful for like evening, mm -hmm. like a super flowy, like with a huge sweep with gorgeous like diamond earrings or yes. something. Yes. Um, but I do think it depends on how you style it too. You can style it really evening or you can style it really. Yes. And when I say house dress, I mean like 1970s, Palm Springs. <laughs> That's the house That dress. kind of house. Exactly. The one story with the sprawling. Exactly. Meeting exactly. them at the door with the martini house exactly. dress. Exactly. <laughs> 
And that's the world I live in, too. Exactly. Um, in my head. <laughs> exactly. So, but yeah, I think it's like the way you style it and the way mm -hmm. you put it together. Because it is, it is a wide, it's not like, it covers everything. Right. So it just is the way, the, the way you style it or mm -hmm. how you hem it, if it shows a little bit of ankle mm -hmm. or. And do you come down here and have a tie or is it? Depends. Okay. The one that we have has like a little placket and a collar. Yeah. Um, I but feel we, like that at least has some decolletage. Exactly, so you can you see can something. Sense skin. Exactly, you're probably happy for that. <laughs> okay, good. Um, but yeah, I think it's just the way you style it mm -hmm. and how you bring it up or make uh -huh. it more casual. And then it seemed like for fall that there was a mixture of like metallics with yeah, crushed it's, velvet it's with all a lot the of texture. Lots of texture. So mm -hmm. we were, I was looking at this um, tribe in Iran called the Rashkari tribe, and they're known for like mixing and matching like every single fabric, every single texture, like in the world. And they're not doing that on purpose, or maybe they are, but they're not like thinking, oh, I'm styling myself. Mm -hmm. This is like ancient ways of dressing. Mm -hmm. um, and so they're, they just put everything together. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I wanna try to mimic that kind of styling. And I was like, let's try new things. Let's mm -hmm. put things that maybe you don't think should go together together, because you never know what's gonna work. Mm -hmm. So when we were styling the collection, we were putting knits over suits. We were putting, like you were saying, like our crystal embroidery with this amazing like um, leopard green burgundy um, jacquard. We were like trying all the different options. Mm -hmm. And so this season was definitely about trying new things. Incredible. Yeah. So uh, Palm Springs, we were talking about that before. You're yeah. going there. Is Be Palm Beach. Palm Beach, sorry. Yeah, not no. Palm. I thinking back to the 70s house in Palm Springs, sorry. <laughs> exactly. Confused on what coast I'm on, but I was saying, I went there, so there's this pocket of women from New York that are moving there yeah. that are still like very um, Upper East Side yeah. kind of style, but then there's also this Lily Pulitzer. Sir, no, definitely, there's all uh, kinds of girly, um, floral. floral, yes. Floor all the so, way. So, um, and you're definitely the Madison Avenue. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was actually funny because we had Burgdorf Goodman come and see the collection yesterday, and wow. they were telling us that their florals are not selling at all. Yeah, it's like pick your audience. Yeah, it's, it's just not. They were saying like the Oscar's florals are oh, not even selling. Oscar's. Carolina's florals are not selling. So it's. Interesting I do to find hear. great pieces in New York on sale yeah, that are lots not of prints selling. that exactly. haven't sold. Where in Texas, it's gone not, in the beginning yeah, at exactly. full price. So maybe that's the Texas women love their florals. So I guess <laughs> get it in New York, so it's going to be on sale. <laughs> that's so funny. You never know. Um, yeah, but we never do florals necessarily. Right. I try to stay away from florals because. Mm -hmm. Oscar and Carolina. It's already and add, done. It's already exactly. done. Exactly. So I, wanna, I don't need to repeat that. Exactly. So I try to come up with our own mm -hmm. versions of prints. Um, but because I, I worked at a company, Adam Lippis was known for their florals. Yes. So when I left there, I was like, I don't want to do any florals. So we find our way to do it, to do yes. these amazing prints. And I haven't bought his pieces, but I've admired them. And I like, he seems to be focused on the suit also. Yeah, he has a couple tailoring pieces. Yes, a great, and of course my favorite silhouette I normally go with is the um, fitted fit on the top and yeah. the flare on the bottom. We have a good dress for you for fall that's oh, a really? fit and flare, yeah. Okay, good. But yeah, he does a lot of fit and flares as well, mm -hmm. and all the prints and jacquards mm -hmm. and all that stuff, so. So interesting. Yeah. Um, so any other things that you want to share with us? Any new things coming up? How? Yeah. There's 
uh, the, I think 2024 is definitely going to be the year for us. Mm-hmm. We have a full new team. Um, we hired an amazing guy who actually came from Oscar. He was their design director for seven years. Um, his name is Chad, and so we hired him. So we're like, I think this year we're really f- like hounding down and focusing on how we can make the product even better. Um, we hired an amazing wholesale um, director, so she's now focusing on new stores that we can be in. I mean, Bergdorf, yeah. that could be yeah, we're, huge. It's not but confirmed it, yet. But, but how does that work with stores? Because um, I've heard it's hard for designers that a lot of stores for a while yeah. say, oh, you can put your pieces in, and then at the end of the season, season whatever's left, we give back to you. So that's consignment. Just, yeah, it's awful. But it is awful yeah. it can kill a brand exactly so with the stores usually they depends on your agreement right. um, but if they want to test out a brand they'll do like consignment or uh-huh. trunk show um, and then if they believe in the brand they'll usually end up buying it mm-hmm. this season this year a lot of budgets are let down because everyone's afraid of the election mm-hmm. i don't think so because i feel like everyone's still shopping mm-hmm. um and then when stores like burger of goodman they can't there's only one store so square footage is an issue for them um so one designer needs to go out for a new designer to come in so we're just waiting for our our slot to be open you know um so that's how usually when you design the collection you send the buyers the lookbook and the line sheets so they know what you're trying to sell them they come to see the collection and then they decide if it's right for their store and for their audience so and you're not doing fashion shows in new york it's almost like it's so expensive to do oh my god it's not really about even the buyers buying from you no it's become this so expensive it costs like four to five hundred thousand dollars to even put a show on with the venue the models the makeup artists the hair the makeup everything the team the team to put it together the producers all of that costs so much money so wow. we're still so small. So we're going to get there hopefully one day. But Oh, so is that the goal? Yeah, definitely it's the goal. But it comes with time. I completely so. agree. And being bigger, bigger doesn't mean it's better. And it yeah. doesn't mean your business is profitable for you either. No, exactly. And to grow in an incremental way. Um, and, I, and then you're able to also stay true to the people that have already become connected to your brand. Exactly. So we do like private appointments. We mm-hmm. do our luncheons in Houston. Mm-hmm. We do luncheons all over the, the U.S. or do pop-ups in mm-hmm. Colorado and all that thing. Oh, but, that's right, because you've done some Aspen things. Yeah, there. so we try to f- go to where our client is, client is at at the moment. Mm-hmm. And we're, there's always little kinks that we're trying to fix, you know. Mm-hmm. For the longest time, we were, because it costs so much money to create stock, the only way possible for us to sell clothing was to do trunk shows and sell through pre-order. Mm-hmm. So um, it was like trying to find the balance of how early is it to show the collection? Because when you're, let's say we're, we just showed fall right now, we want to start doing trunk shows for fall, but that means the client will have to wait like right. four to six months to receive their clothing because we're not, as Chad, who works for us, says we're not a custom tailor, Amir. We are a fashion brand, um, which means when you place your order, let's say you're buying the new blazer of this season, we want to make 20 of them so that the price of the blazer goes down and we're not paying sample oh, price. 
So, because then the price of the garment would be two to three times more. But And how do you even know how many sizes in each color that you make? That's, that's a, a lot of meetings right there. Yeah, it's a gamble. Throw the dice, right? Yeah. And it's, it's kind of funny because so we have in the past done trunk shows. So you were buying a right. piece and you were pre-ordering it. So right. we knew that Danae wanted this leopard coat. Right. So it's funny because we also, we do have new clients constantly, mm -hmm. but we have our loyal following. Mm -hmm. So it's a balance because you're like, well, Danae bought this blazer and this person bought this blazer and maybe another five other people bought this blazer. Do you think, do we think there's an audience that For will- this blazer, sir, that they'll buy this year. Yeah, will they buy, or will other people also buy, buy that because blazer? Because then they were wearing it and yeah. they- So it's all a balance, you know. It's so crazy. It's something we don't have to deal with here. I mean, people are yeah. say to me, why don't you, why, why Make, haven't you designed? I'm, I'm no, like, my God, oh my no. God. <laughs> Trust me, that's why I even say like, I, if you, just, whenever you, like to fashion students, like it's, it's a hard, you know? It because seems... it's not just that you designed it well and that the person that bought it loved well, it. Well, no, it's like it's the fit. You, it's the... like the sizing has to be correct. You know, like the it might look great on the model, but no one is a model body. No you one. have to fit it. You have to make sure it fits well on not an I wouldn't say a normal size body because no one is normal. Normal, but like on a more standard proportion. Yes. And then you have to work with a good grader that will grade the um, size, the correct, like go from a size two to a size eight. You, you need to make sure the proportions. Oh, it's incremental. It's all incremental. And so you have to make sure that that goes correctly. And then you have to make sure. And the then the sizing is interesting because you, I feel like your sizes are more like um, the um, Oscar de la Renta, yeah. Carolina Herrera versus J. Crew, which I'm a. Size. Maybe a size extra small or yeah. small, and for you, I'm an eight sometimes. Yeah. It depends, it's... and like that's the thing. Like um, European sizes, sizing is even smaller. Exactly. So it, and they don't have the chest. That yeah. These, um, Texas, Texas women have. have exactly. So you, it really for a New York woman could even be different uh, than a Texas because every woman. woman has a different body. Yeah. So and that's the thing. It's like my biggest advice to people is alterations, 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 alterations. Yes. Because like, let's say your bust is bigger. So you might need to buy a size eight Up, for the bust and the waist the because your waist might be tiny. But, and that's the thing. It's like we're, Chad also says we're not a custom tailor. So we're not, yes, we do sometimes free alterations and all of those kind of things. But mm -hmm every woman's body is so different than the other and we have to find like the medium in between right exactly all of it so it's like maybe you have a bigger waist and no bust you know mm -hmm. so you have to buy for to for your waist and then you have to alter mm -hmm. your bust so there's everyone is so different so it's like trying to find the middle ground mm -hmm. so is there a change um with people's sizes going down because of the new trends. <laughs> I will say. Because <laughs> I might be a little smaller than I was last year. <laughs> Trust me. 
right? Yeah. Are you seeing it with your... Yeah, a lot of our... Right? I think the biggest problem is with the pre-orders. Yeah, because they're they, like, oops, I measured them. Anymore. Yeah, and they're like, I don't know why this is three sizes too big. I'm like, You're like, you ask know yourself. Why. You're like, I didn't buy a size 10. I'm like, well... Girl, when you bought this, you were a size 10. Now you're a size 6. It's not my problem. <laughs> and I think that's where I'm trying, because of all these weight loss things, we're having <laughs> yes. to rethink our free alterations. Exactly. Because changing a hem is different than making it three sizes smaller. You know, so. Oh, my God. That is so funny. Oh, my God. I love yeah. it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, I um, could sit here and talk to you forever, but I... I find that you're, the, the way that I stay really connected to a brand consistently is that I can keep the pieces in my wardrobe and I don't want to move them yeah. out. Exactly. And I find that with yours. Well, that and, makes me so happy. Um, I'm super excited. Um, maybe you can even call it the Contessa instead of the Danae. Well, yeah, whatever you want it. <laughs> but I am so flattered. That's of actually course. like not even was not even on a wish list in my life, but that is something incredible to yeah. have a piece. But um, I applaud the way you're growing and that you're doing it in a way that's manageable because I feel like sometimes yeah. when brands grow a lot, you it's can hard. leave behind the people. Not even that, like, yeah, you leave behind the people that supported you at the beginning. But because then, you're just so big and yeah. you can only do so much. And that's yeah. what's so hard with growth. No, a thousand percent. It gets harder. Um, uh -huh. But I think with growth, also great things happen too. You know, oh, like absolutely. It's, the, it's the middle ground, you know. Yes. Um, I feel like with our growth, we were able to afford someone like Chad that can come in yes. and be like, and Give fix you, the fit yes. you know like because that's what take i mean like i can't do my job without danette i yeah. can't do my job without the team and i'm only yeah. and when a team member's out and you're doing all you only have the capacity yeah. and i found that for me i couldn't even go out i couldn't yeah. see people because i was so exhausted exactly. by the physicality of doing of your owning work. your own business yeah so i think it's like the it's the mixture it's like then now you can be talking to people and you yeah. can be doing podcasts and you exactly. can Exactly. Or I can be traveling and going to different cities to do trunk shows. Because you're not in the nitty gritty. Exactly. Um, but I do think like for us at the moment, it's like regaining that trust. Because maybe mm -hmm. at the beginnings we had all these little kinks mm -hmm. and it's being able to be like, let me try Amir again. He's evolved. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's like that is our biggest hurdle right now. So that's what we're working on for 2024 is regaining that trust of all these women that have shopped from us before and just making sure they know that their feedback has been listened to you know and that with incredible. growth is mm -hmm. that with growth that's the, that's the only way you can grow is through feedback and through absolutely perfecting I mean, it if somebody has an experience that they don't like here i'm saying you know what can i do what was it that went wrong how can we make it up yeah. to you tell us what that experience was and then trying to modify things yeah as a team. exactly and, but like for now we're by appointment only because yeah. we feel like that way we can be the best service yeah because exactly. you have to do so much back of the house stuff yeah for the other things you have going on that you can't be in the showroom yeah. all the time meeting new people no trust me it's hard because everyone if 
doesn't matter how much they spend, they are the princess. Yes, and, and they so, want the attention and they yeah, want the response. And, exactly. And, and I think when you're in luxury that that's a fair expectation. No, for sure. So it's just, it's just a struggle how to, to get it all balance, done. Yeah. That's the biggest struggle. So if I haven't responded to you, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it wasn't me. Yeah, not, no, I'm not saying you, but I'm just saying in general, like yeah. my attention span, even when I cut home from work, uh-huh. Like last night, we had appointments all days with buyers. Like mm-hmm. you're mentally exhausted. You don't even want to look at your phone anymore. No. All I want to do is snuggle with my dog Virgo and watch some TV and then I go know. to bed. We are like so, completely addicted yeah. to Netflix. We sit on the couch with Grace Kelly with our blankets. It's and all we about watch. the balance, you know. It is. Yeah. Um, so it's just and with a great team, you can give some of those responsibilities to other people, you right. know. Um, so it's just the balance of finding what to do and when. <laughs> yeah. Well, amen to that. Yeah. Well, I'm so excited we finally got to sit I down know, and me too. talk about all this. It's truly incredible to see your commitment. And I feel like your commitment isn't in a self-serving way. I feel like it's, you're an artist yeah. creating art that people appreciate and that um, it's incredible. And what I say to anybody trying to chase their dream and make your dream come true. It's just, if your heart's in the right place and your work ethic is there, yeah. the sky is the limit and we live in a country that enables us that to opportunity. Do, yeah, what we... And as angry as people are about the things that are imperfect here, it's still truly the greatest yeah, it really is. country in the world to start because and run a business. And those people I feel like don't have experience with other places, so. Yes to put yourself in someone else's shoes and be grateful for what we have here because it really is, we're really lucky. We are. All right, guys. Living the authentic life. I love it.